what do leaders need to be focusing on right now to prepare themselves for a successful future? That's the question that I get to ask Doug Clay, the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God USA, in today's very special broadcast. It is the 100th episode of the Daniel Day podcast, and to celebrate this event, he's going to visit with us for a few minutes about seven principles for building the character of a leader. So buckle up, friends. It's going to be a blast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daniel Day Podcast, a podcast all about discipleship and leadership. I'm Daniel Day, your host. Welcome to the program. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to this very special edition of the Daniel Day podcast. I am Daniel Day, your host, and he is our pastor, our general superintendent, Doug Clay. Doug, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks, Daniel. And more important than that, this is the Centennial podcast, right? 100th episode. Yes, sir. This is the 100th episode of the Daniel Day podcast. So I guess in some realm out there, I am a legitimate podcaster. And I want to thank you for the rich content. I want to thank you for uh, your gift of leadership from four of our fellowship's finest. And so just thanks for doing this. I I think I think you can never get enough leadership. You know, I, I two things important for sustaining ministry, leadership and the anointing, leadership and the anointing. And I think both of those you never can have enough of. Amen. Well, Brother Clay, before we get too much further into our conversation, I'd like to ask you to take us to the Lord in prayer and bless yeah. our time together. Yeah, thanks, God, for this privileged opportunity of doing ministry in the assigned place where you have us. And I thank you that it is an assigned place. It's not a, it's not a lucky break or a result of a slick uh, resume, but you said that you prepared good deeds in advance for us to fulfill. So thank you and help us, God, to help us to do those good deeds with great efficiency, with effectiveness, marked by missional fruitfulness. And so I just pray, I pray that those who listen today would would, would gain something in their, in their leadership person. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, for those of you who are beginning to hop on to our broadcast and or the replay, uh, would you please do Brother Clay and I a favor? Like this video, heart the video, subscribe to the podcast, whether it be audio or YouTube or some other uh, place, and share this conversation with a friend, especially those who are in leadership, in the church or missionary work or church planting. Uh, If you have a friend who's an up and coming leader, perhaps in their 20s or 30s, especially share this with them because today, uh, Brother Clay and I are gonna have a conversation around the idea of what types of character qualities 
and what types of skills should leaders be developing now uh, so that we can prepare ourselves for the days ahead. And uh, Brother Clay, I have to tell you, I'm just so honored that you would spend some time with us around this subject. Well, thank you. I, I love the subject. And and, and it's, it's really a, a probing thought. What should we develop now for the future? You know, uh, first of all, the very fact that you would, you would think that way is encouraging. It's kind of like Noah. Noah preached to his generation, but he built a structure for the next generation. And so uh, I think we've got to constantly be, be asking, what is our demonstration of leadership? How is that influencing the next generation? Um, I, I, could, I could do high-level things like, boy, focus on soul care for those who are in the ministry. Just really shift to begin to focus on who you have and where you're at rather than what you lost. You know, I think so many ministers are rebuilding teams because some of their core teams didn't come back. But yet there's new enthusiasm. There's, there's spiritual vitality happening in some of our services that I haven't seen for a while. And uh, it's, it's exciting. I think the other thing, you know, Daniel, um, just stay in your lane because the, the broader, the more influential your ministry becomes, there is going to be, there's going to be this uh, tendency uh, to get pulled in a lot of different directions. But I, stay in the lane. If you're a church, advance the kingdom of God in the church. If you're a missionary, seek to be missionally fruitful. So all of those kinds of things. And uh, Yeah, well, what could we do? As um, young leaders, let's let's take a moment to focus on that. I know that those who are listening today may not consider themselves young, but as we look to Scripture, uh, even folks in their 70s and 80s were still incredibly vital. And uh, and in the Lord's eyes, those leaders, uh, if they still have a desire to move the kingdom forward, they need to continue to grow. So speak to us as a group of leaders, and perhaps maybe lean into some of these character qualities we really need to develop that never go out of style, whether you're 20 or 65, yeah. you're really going to need to have these things in place. Yeah. And I think at first it starts with having a healthy understanding of leadership. What is it? Is it spiritual influence? Is it casting a clear and compelling vision? Is it mobilizing people around that vision? Is it making tough decisions, uh, implementing change with grace and decisiveness? Yes, yes, and yes. So, but I thought I would share with you about seven characteristics that are cross-generational, that are certainly, they're in the context of spiritual leadership, you know, and, and I think that's always a disclaimer because there's, there's leadership and there's, there's principle, but then there's the spiritual leadership, that, that leaning into the spirit, that, that, that having a kingdom understanding. And so I would love to share seven, um, and with each characteristic. I'll give you sort of a quote and then maybe a scripture and we can unpack it. Uh, your viewers can look it on the, on the screen and, and, and Hey, you, you can use it to do whatever. First and foremost is what you've said three different times, character, character. And I would say this, Daniel, character development must keep pace with skill development, character development, keeping pace with skill development. I get it. Um, character uh, competency, charisma, chemistry are sort of the big four, but man, character's there. I think of what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1. He says, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises 
supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and with moral excellence knowledge. I think at the core of leadership, wherever you're at on the leadership spectrum, character development is huge. Secondly, I, I think accessibility and learning, learning how to steward your accessibility for greater purposes. You know, generally speaking, the larger your ministry becomes, um, uh, sort of the less accessible uh, you can be, but you don't have to be perceived as not being accessible. And I, I would just encourage our leaders, steward your accessibility for greater purposes. Um, the scripture I think about that is in Luke 2.46, that it was after three days they found Jesus in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Um, you know, outstanding leaders make a concentrated effort to be accessible to those who are in need. You, you see that today. A lot of, a lot of ministers are, are freely download, are freely sharing their content, freely sharing that. And I can, I can tell you, you could be perceived as being accessible even when you're not. Just by responding to a text with a thumbs up, got it, have it there. Um, but to, to, today's younger generation want accessibility to their leaders. Uh, that will lead me to the third thing about leadership. What do we need to work on today for tomorrow's leadership challenges? Communication. Communication. Thoughtful communication where you're communicating on purpose. This verse in Job is a great verse, Job 6.25, how forcible are right words. I think good leaders um, write, say, email, text, tweet um, deliberately, deliberately. And lest you think you can't interpret tone in a text or tone in any, yes, you can. Yes, you can. And I just, I also want to challenge our leaders. I, I would think of this to say staff, but well, I'll contextualize it to me. I don't have the right, Daniel, to tweet everything I want to. I think the higher that you go in leadership, you give up rights. So for our young leaders that join a staff, you don't have the right to tweet everything, lest it might be contradictory to what the philosophy is of the leader you're serving or the responsibility you have. So this whole communicating with thoughtful purpose, not having to back up your words every time they're quoted or thrown out there. Uh, let me give you this four more real quick. Affirmation. Affirmation. Uh, leaders make others feel valued and they value other people's take. Uh, I've heard it said most people don't necessarily need their way. They just want to know that their way was considered. Their way was considered. I, I did that today. I did that today with Pastor Choco brought an idea. And instead of just, nah, I don't think so. I said, let's talk this out. And he unpacked it, presented it. And ultimately the decision was in my camp. And I said, you know, I don't think that's right at this time. And okay, thanks pastor. But at least he knew I heard it. I, I weighed it and was there. Um, what Paul meant in first Thessalonians 5, 11, therefore encourage one another. I think part of encouragement and leadership is giving the opportunity to have other people's perspective be heard. Uh, number five would be learning. Um, obviously, people that are watching this are hungry for learning. Outstanding leaders, quality leaders, missionally fruitful leaders, thirst for wisdom, 
And then they apply that wisdom over their own preferences. So they apply that wisdom over their own preferences. Uh, Proverbs 11, or excuse me, Proverbs 1, 5 says, a wise man will hear and increase learning. Learning. I get it. Wisdom is a byproduct of uh, our experiences. But to me, the best leader can take those experiences and translate that into wisdom for the moment. So my experiences of the past become an opportunity to apply wisdom in the future. Uh, six would just be de being decisive, being decisive, making decisive decisions, not reactionary decisions. Boy, there's a difference. I, I think when Jesus said in Matthew 5, let your yes be yes, your no be no, anything different than that comes from the enemy. <laughs> so I do believe it's, it's appropriate. I do believe it's possible to make difficult decisions calmly, authoritatively, and definitely not compromising or bruising the fruit of the Spirit. But I do know that when you work for leaders and they don't make a decision, a lack of being decisive can be extremely frustrating. High-capacity leaders won't stay at the table if you're, well, I'm not really sure, well, I'm that. I would rather work for someone who is decisive and then maybe make the wrong decision and own it, say, hey, my bad, my bad, than just waiting. Now, there's, don't get me wrong, there's, there's a time and place to process but sometimes we use process as an excuse to not, to not do what we know in a leader's responsibility is our responsibility. That's to make a decision. I think lastly, uh, Daniel would be uh, example. Example. Just leaders set an example for others to follow, and they look to those examples to emulate, to emulate. Man, I, I, I want to do it that way. Uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, verse 3, don't try to rule over those who you've been put in your care, but be examples to the flock. Uh, you could unpack that. What are, what are good examples? Uh, work ethic would be a good example. Um, uh, management by walk around, making sure you, you, you value. Honoring. Sometimes you, you, you know, in a culture of honor, the person who gets the honor can get hooked on that and addicted to that and never turn around and create a culture of honor for those who are serving. So uh, I would just say, example, that, that when someone looks at your life, they, they can follow that example. They can contextualize it in their generation, in their social context, in their missional context, but the principles of leadership um, they can emulate. So those are some thoughts. Pastor, I know we don't have time to unpack all seven of those. I would have follow-up questions for each one, but there are three that really jump out to me that I would love okay. for you to just kind of pull on those strings a little bit more. Firstly, uh, with regards to character, uh, would you please speak for a moment about why it's dangerous, especially for people starting out in leadership? Why is it dangerous to allow our character to expand at a different rate than our platform or our influence. If our platform and our influence begin to outgrow the pace of our character development, why is that dangerous? Yeah, I would, I would, I would reflect on that three ways. Number one, success is a sacred commodity, but it doesn't necessarily always mean the blessing and the favor of the Lord. 
too often, Daniel, I've seen a lot of leaders my age drown in the shallow waters of poor decision-making because of poor character. Mm -hmm. At some point, they quit developing character, and, and there's a pressure on the skill set development that you got to keep up, you got to keep up, you got to keep up. And at some point that pressure, can I tell you from my seat, a lack of character has killed more ministry dreams than finances have. And I just think at the end of the day, that's what we've got. That's who we are. And I would just challenge all of our listeners that uh, character should always eclipse image and performance and skill set because um, at the time of this recording we're the day after the masters and guess what the new king on the hill is a 25 year old his name's Scheffler and Tiger was in 45th place and as sooner or later the the all-star the legend it time is going to take its course and there's going to be a next generation and I feel in spiritual leadership the older we get, we have a, 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 it's incumbent upon us to make sure that our character can be looked at a younger generation and want to emulate that. David said, Lord, don't forsake me when I'm old and gray till I represent your power to the next generation. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's important. So powerful. The second thing I'd like you to kind of weigh in on uh, is with regards to your accessibility. Um, we, we would be hard pressed to find someone in our movement, um, that has more on their plate than you, uh, you are a very, very busy person. You are traveling constantly, constantly writing, constantly answering messages, constantly, uh, having someone to pull on you for your time. Uh, it's very similar, uh, to a pastor in that, uh, people need your input. However, it is on a international scale. And um, so I just want to ask you, how do you as a leader of such a large organization uh, filter um, those that get access to you? Uh, how do you choose? Like, what do you have yeah. a process in place? Uh, I, if I'm going to be honest, I think I'm still learning that, Daniel. I think it's just the other day I thought, man, too many people have my cell phone number. And, and I'm, I was being tongue-in-cheek because First of all, I'm a relational person. Secondly, I understand that in today's culture and with next-gen leader, accessibility is, an, is, is, is a vital characteristic. Um, I would answer that two ways, uh, a practical way, then sort of a philosophical. The practical way is this. Um, I don't feel obligated to answer everybody's email, but I will acknowledge I received it. And just acknowledging the receiving. And sometimes people who send an email don't end with what's your thought or can you answer that? Or they just want to know they're saying something. So that's a little, that's a little practical thing that I have done in this is that if it's a complaint or if it's a recommendation or if it's a, and there's no, would you give me your take on I'll, I'll, I can quickly, thanks for expressing yourself, noted, received that. And just, just that indicates that it, it got to me. I think the other thing in my role now, I am learning to steward my energy more than I am manage my time. I know I mentioned that before, but so that takes this into care. And I think if there's a block of time 
that I can respond to people's texts or emails, then I filter that. Is that a is that a friend that I can just put a thumbs thumbs up? Hey, appreciate you sharing that. Does it require a response? And or if I just say noted, will that suffice? So I don't know, Daniel. I, I I think I fail more than I succeed in that area, but I just know this: being perceived as being accessible is very important, and people notice it. I, yeah. When I get introduced, people say, "Oh, I can't believe how quick he is to respond to my text," or "I can't believe." But I, it, it is an important value in leadership today. Do you have blocks of time, either in your day? Uh, like a daily time or a, a weekly time or a monthly time or a yearly time when you're not accessible to the outside world, but you're honing in on either self-care or family time? You know, I wish I could say that that's routine and that's there. Um, I would say this it, at a grandkid's birthday, I'm not going to have my text, my phone with me. If we're at Silver Dollar City, I'm not going to have that phone with me. If Gail and I are having a couch talk, I'm not going to have that phone with me. But let me flip it around. I would rather stay up on some of the volume of requests that I give than going long periods of time going dark and then having to come back and answer 42 emails at one time and 40. So I probably always block. Uh, the three biggies that I would block would be family grandkids, spouse, uh, would be personal. You said soul care. I, I, I would say physical care. So if I'm working out, if I'm, I'm, I'm with some, I'm with some of my friends to say golfing or things like that, I've kind of honed that out. And the other one would be in the area of ministry preparation. So sermon writing, uh, obviously the devotional time. I don't, I don't respond even if it comes through. In fact, I tried this discipline, even in devotional time, if I hear the ding or sense a vibrate on the phone, I won't even look at it. So I don't even feel pulled to go to that. But for me, if I can stay up on those, that's less stressful than going long period of time of blocking it out. And then having to come back and kind of just pound out 52 emails at one time. So, but family, personal, ministry prep stuff takes priority where uh, you're not going to get interrupted into me. Very good. Lastly, let's talk about example. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not asking you to name names. Uh, certainly wouldn't want to put you on the spot like that. But just in general, when, when you look at uh, young leaders today, what are some things that you see them uh, doing that you're just really impressed with. That, that there's an example among young leaders today, maybe in a post-pandemic world, something that they're leading the way in, and you go, man, I, I really like what I'm seeing in that example. What's something you would comment on there? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is I don't sense young leaders getting into the numbers trap like maybe my generation did. Um, they don't need to lead with, hey, we just had 900 this Sunday and you, you know, it's, it's a little bit more about the missional outcome, not necessarily the numerical outcome. And, and, and I'm grateful for that. I, I also, I don't want that to be a, a lazy feature that doesn't keep us driving. But when a younger generation comes alive more with the question, how are you doing, rather than what did you do? Um, I like that. I, 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 I think I like that. On the flip side, 
I do want our younger generation to make sure that they keep working hard at developing a work ethic, that they really, you know, man, if you say yes to the ministry, then give it all you got in. Um, nothing greets me more than to see a leader pull off an event and then go, oh, I got to have about three or four days just to decompress and download. I'm like, oh my word, you know, three or four days after is the greatest time to review and do all that. And I get it. There's a balance. There's a balance. But um, yeah, during this era of the great resignation where people are saying, hey, I'll work at home. I'll work for less. I don't want an unhealthy work ethic to find its way into spiritual leaders in our tribe. So good. So good. Now let's flip it the other way. Uh, as you were an up and coming leader, and I know you're still growing as a leader. You mentioned it many times in our conversations, but uh, let's just roll back the clock and, and you're a young 30, 40 something, and, and you're looking up to the generation before you. What did the generation before you pass on to you in the way of an example that you hope that you're going to pass on to that 20 something, 30 something? Yeah, I, again, I think work ethic, you know, I watched them and maybe to a fault, the, the generational leaders I worked with, their car was the first in the parking spot when you got to church. Now they might have been reading the paper, writing checks, but they were there was a high priority on, on work ethic. So I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that that generation probably developed their faith through raw tough experiences rather than development out of affluence. And I haven't had to do that. You know, I haven't had to go without, I haven't had to, wow, we didn't have any money to pay staff. And, you know, and, and so that generation learned a, a, a dimension of faith, boy, that I want to get to, I want to, I want to develop. I want to, I want to be there. I also think that generation had a stick tootiveness a stick tootiveness to where they were at rather than considering their option after a couple of years. And I think some of that was they learned how to encourage themselves in the Lord. Now to a fault, they could isolate. We're much more relational than oftentimes our relationships save us from doing something. But they, they, there was a, there was a roll up your sleeves and stick tootiveness in that generation that that I don't want to just when it's not going well, okay, where's where's the next ministry assignment? So I have a lot. I have a lot to that generation that I owe, um, you know, and I'm grateful like you for the investment uh, that they made in my life, both, both in a practical sense and then in an observation sense. One of the things that I hear from you often in your writings and in your messages is, is the importance and the value of focusing in on being biblically literate and spirit empowered. And I know that that was something that was passed on to you from your mentors. Amen. And, uh, and right now you've actually been working with and uh, collaborating with various leaders within our movement to develop this incredible campaign to follow up uh, Easter with that I'd love for you to talk about the and campaign. Uh, and just this is an incredible resource that you've made available to churches all over the world and to kind of lead us into the time of Pentecost Sunday after Easter. And I like the timing of it because so oftentimes we put our efforts into a day like Easter. Yeah. Uh, we advertise, we spend money on billboards and flyers and, 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 and online social. And I'm thinking, I tell people all the time, 
don't put all your eggs in that basket. Easter can sometimes take care of itself. It's such a big holiday. You don't have to invest so much there, but invest in the, the weeks after Easter, invest in an event after Easter or a, or a pathway, you know, leading into something bigger, the weeks following. And that's exactly what you've done with the end campaign. And so talk about that and how can we find it and, and what are the ways we can get involved? Yeah, thanks for asking that. So the big three, when I came in, I felt a strong, strong burden for Bible engagement, spirit empowerment, missions participation. Uh, I feel like with Bible engagement, and by the way, that's going to be delivered free here pretty soon to all of our churches and, and the initiative there, mission participation this last year, just about in all of our entities, we saw a rise in not only amount given, but a numer uh, uh, numbers of participants. But I really wanted to try to move the needle on spirit empowerment. And I felt like, hey, instead of it being a one-time, hey, Pentecost Sunday or one service at a youth camp, could we curate some of the best resources from field people, pastors, ministers, kid men? And so for children, youth, and adult, um, I was dreaming this with Tim Enlow. He said, I got a burden for it. I said, Tim, would you help to spearhead this? He said, Absolutely. Tim is an evangelist who God's touch on his life is teaching and leading people into the baptism. And so he went to work and we came out with this and campaign. The design of this is that we have resource, either video resource, uh, written resource, graphic resource, where you can, in a very biblical and a relevant way, talk about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. We thought we'd do that from post-Easter, right up to Pentecost Sunday. And can I tell you, I am super excited about it, just super excited about it. If for nothing else, what we're saying is we're going to put a high priority on developing resources, developing resources on this critical value of our fellowship. The and, where did that come from? What inspired that term and why did you pick it? I just, I like that, uh, that little symbol and uh, some friends and, and I, I actually forget, but I know, I'm trying to think where I was when, when, when Tim and I were talking, it, it might've been in the house where I've got a kind of a, a little pewter and symbol just on the bookshelf right there. And we were talking about the spirit and missions, the spirit and Christian empowerment. And so that, that and symbol um, just sort of jumped out. And uh, Tim said, hey, I think that'll work. It, so it, it wasn't really, it wasn't through a brand manager. It wasn't even through a creative specialist. I think it was just one conversation and looking at the little icon and saying, hey, let's do that. Yeah. No, I, I even think we, we could even, you know, and you probably have already included these ideas um, because I haven't had the opportunity yet to go through all of your material. But, um, you know, you read through the book of Acts and several times it's they were filled with the Holy Spirit and, and you, you know, so I just I love it because there's this conjunction, this connection between I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and do something. I'm going to yeah. prophesy. I'm going to extol the wonders of God. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to go and lay hands on the sick. It's not just a, a, an infilling for me personally. It's and I'm going to now take this yeah. empowerment and do something with it. I wish it was that theological. It didn't come out that but 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 to your point, it can be taken that way. You know, the, the spirit and prayer, the spirit and evangelism, the spirit and 
fellowship, the Spirit and Spirit Baptist. So uh, I don't know if it was intentionally designed to be that theological, as but the initial of it was it's not just it one and done. It's the Holy Spirit and sort right. of the rest of our life. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. The Holy Spirit is not given to us just for us. It's a gift that's meant to be re-gifted, you know, oh, and sometimes, sometimes people, you know, at Christmas time, you might get this mug and you already have that mug. So you rewrap <laughs> it and give it away at the office party. And we say re-gifting yeah. kind of in a bad way. But, um, but this is a re-gift where it's almost like when Paul said, I'm obligated to barbarians and right. Greeks. I'm right. obligated to educated and non-educated. I've been entrusted with something. And now I'm in debt to the world to give it away. I've been given something freely received. Now I've got to freely give. So it's spirit empowerment and now re-gift yeah. it to the world. So good. So good. You asked if somebody just wants to go to ag.org backslash and um, it's right there. There's videos, there's downloads, there's support materials. So it can either be plug and play or you listen and develop your own or download it. It's, there is nothing copyrighted in that. So take and use any or all of it and um, uh, bring your ministry, your church along in this Amen. journey. I appreciate the example that you're setting for us as leaders, making these things available. You're sharing, you're collaborating. Uh, I also appreciate the accessibility of these materials. It's so easy to find. Just go to the website and avail yourself of it. Take advantage of this. And always remember, as Pastor Clay has so well uh, articulated to us this morning, uh, focus on character. Don't let your influence and don't let your platform outpace the development of your character. If you do these things, I believe we will be well set up for a, a future success, which ultimately is really just hearing our Lord say, well done, good and faithful. Uh, good. Pastor, Pastor Clay, I'll give you the last word, then I want you to take us to prayer. Yeah, no, thank you uh, to those of you who are watching this and you've chosen to be a part of our tribe, the assemblies, and I get it. The kingdom of God is a whole lot bigger than the assemblies of God. But in our slice of this kingdom pie called the assemblies, thank you. Thank you for being missionally fruitful. Thank you for not getting sidetracked in a lot of secondary issues that might be pulling on you. And uh, I want to challenge you and just ask you to continue to stay focused on Bible engagement, spirit empowerment, missions participation as you lead your ministry. So God, I thank you for my friends, my colleagues, people I don't even know who are watching this. Stir up the gift inside of them, the gift to lead, the gift to influence, the gift to move a needle in a positive direction for the sake of the kingdom. Thank you for Brother Daniel. I pray a a blessing on his life. May there be a canopy over his ministry uh, where he can identify the blessing of the Lord in a very tangible way. So we love you and desire to live our lives to the praise of your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Amen and amen. Friends, we've been with Doug Clay. He is our pastor. He is the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God USA, and it has been a joy and privilege to be able to interview him for the second time on our podcast. Doug, thank you so much for your time. You bet. My pleasure.